Welcome to Five Cats, Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And this is episode 37. Woo! Woo, 37! (laughs) (laughs) We are getting so close to 50. I'm so excited. (laughs) I know! So exciting. I think we have less episodes between here and 50 to do than we have done separated in quarantine. We've been apart that long. Dude, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. Man, I can't wait to record together. But but until then, oh I think we're, we're chugging along. <laughs> yeah, we're chugging along. We're getting used to it. I also can't wait to record together. I can't wait to like do a shot in person with you guys. Right? I can't <laughs> wait to do uh, another Femisode together because we've yeah. we've decided, for those of you that have asked, we're, we're waiting. That'll be our first episode back together is a, a, another Femisode. But those, you know, we want to be face to face. But... We have a great episode for today. Episode 37 is all about bee balm. Bee balm. Such a cool little plant. It is freaking wild. It is a crazy looking plant. And I can't wait to dive into this because I don't grow it and you do. So it'll be exciting for me to learn all about how to grow bee balm. Yeah, I did not kill it. I know. I'm so it's proud very of you. Exciting. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> also, really exciting news. As we shared last week, we uh, put the new candles in the full moonlight. And now Yay! we have a ritual candle. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> 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 was that a toot? That was an engineer Dan mouth fart noise. That's what he thinks of us <laughs> and our candle. <laughs> I charged that toot by the moonlight too. <laughs> so Man, uh, been holding that toot in for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so we got three candles and uh, all three are from Pollen Arts in Arizona, so I'll give them a shout out on our old Instagram. But uh, Lindsay, we haven't officially decided which one we're going to burn. I have the one I guess I kind of want to do, but I want to put it out there to you. We have one that is um, in the shape of a quartz crystal, one that is in the shape of a little milkweed lotion bottle and says milkweed on it. And the third is a vintage perfume bottle with there's a, a naked gentleman playing a flute and some women dancing with flimsy, filmy scarf things and a few little flowers on it. So you choose Ooh. and I'll light it. But I figure we're probably oh. going to burn through all three because they're not terribly large, but we'll do one at a time. Okay. I mean, if I had to pick one first, I'd probably go with the naked man. Yeah, that's the one I got primed. <laughs> that's the one I want to burn too. Yes! all right well i'm excited Uh, i don't have any matches they're still freaking hard to find you can't order matches online apparently i don't know but i got a lighter so we're gonna we're gonna kick this off and finally light an actual little ritual candle yay us yeah awesome i swear to god if this doesn't burn (laughs) i think it will it should burn We'll be fine. And if not, we can just use another one. (laughs) 
Hey, all right, it's lit. It looks great. All right. <laughs> it's such a all weird right. shaped candle, too, because it's made from an old uh, perfume bottle. I'm really curious to see how this burns. So <laughs> and there's like a 50-50 chance I get wax all over my table. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a going. Sweet. Well, candles and episodes and I got I'm bring it bring it down for a sec. Uh, I was thinking about what cat stories to share this week and I kind of flip-flopped on this a little bit because you know, sometimes it's like eh, shit should stay private and that sort of thing. But um, I feel like our listeners have, you know, come to know each of our five pussies uh, or five cats, sorry, uh, very well. And <laughs> and my my cat story for the week is poor little Goof, our floofy Nimbus pants. Um, he's not feeling very well, so we're keeping an eye on him. I'm trying to make him comfortable. It could be the heat. It could be something else. But we'll take him into the vet to have him checked out very soon. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's just off. He's he's not happy. Uh, and he's definitely uncomfortable and, and, and not very hungry. So keeping an eye on him. But this has sort of made me think of, you know, when, when you take cat to the vet or, you know, cat's not feeling very well. You know, I have this instinct that I like, want to baby them and spoil them like you would, you know, a partner or a friend. It's like, I want to bring you chicken soup. I want to, like, put on your favorite movies. I want to make sure that you've got, like, your, like, comfy blanket and, like, like cozy socks and that sort of thing. I'm like, what? First of all, it's too freaking hot to wrap him in any sort of blanket. But, like, what do you do to comfort a cat? He doesn't have a favorite toy. He doesn't have a favorite... Like food, he's sleeping in all of his favorite spots already. I just, I assume, just give him chin scratches and hang out with him. But yeah, I'm like, even even little things, like I'm like, what do I put in the crate to go with him? Because I usually put a toy. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have like a blanket that he particularly likes or a towel or something? I usually do something like that so that they have something like familiar smelling to go with them to the vet. Yeah, I, I, we do too. And um, it, he doesn't really have a favorite thing like that. Like the cat blankets that we have are like full quilts. And oh. so I can't put one of those in a crate. Uh, but he yeah. doesn't necessarily have like a favorite a favorite thing. So he's definitely a daddy's boy. So we'll probably put some sort of like piece from the laundry of like Dan's like, you know, t-shirt or something like that <laughs> so that it smells like Dan. Cause you want it to smell like you're human, right? Like you don't want to like put in some fresh right, clean laundry yeah. that smells like spring breeze. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. No. You want to smell that's going to be right. comforting to him. I yeah. think for sure. Yeah. So, so we're, we're keeping an eye on him, but I, uh, but yeah, I was like, what, what What the hell do we give him to like make him like be like, oh, cozy. You can, the, you can have the shirt that I'm wearing right now because that'll, that'll show the world that he is a, a independent wrestling fan. Oh, <laughs> I am wearing an orange Cassidy shirt. So I want him to be the cool kid on the block. So he's going to he's going to be that kid, you know, in the Simpsons T-shirt in the 90s kind of thing. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, I did write a little note. Made myself cry writing it, but I did write a little note to 
attached to his cage. So, because I always feel bad, you know, much like when I go into the doctor and I'm sick and like I'm short tempered and that sort of thing. I like, I often feel personally bad. I'm like, I'm not this mean. I'm not this bitchy. <laughs> like, you know, I'm just really uncomfortable. And he's not being mean or, or bitchy at all. But I wrote a little note of like, you know, this is my name. These are the things I like. I like being scratched under the chin. I like armpit scratches. Don't touch my feet. I will bite you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and those types of things because, you know, he like like most cats when they go in, they'll probably keep them overnight, I assume. So, you know, he doesn't see just the veterinarian. He'll see also the vet techs and the volunteers and the assistants and that sort of thing. So... You know, I always uh, thought that that was a nice little touch when I years and years and years and years ago worked at a vet clinic. Uh, sometimes people would, you know, have a little note and attach it uh, to their to their cage just so you could be like, you know, this this animal uh, will bite or this animal, uh, you know, prefers chicken or whatever it might be. So <laughs> he's all primed and ready for a trip, but. Um, we're keeping an eye on him and, and probably take him in soon. So if you're listening, uh, we'll keep you updated because by the time this comes out, we'll have probably already sorted this shit out, but certainly keep everyone updated and give your pets a squeeze. Give them an extra treat for NIMBY. Yeah. Maybe light a little cat-shaped candle for them. Yeah. That'd be nice. Uh, you can always, yeah. you know, send well wishes to Nimbus. I'll read them to him. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, you, yeah. can, you can send well wishes. Uh, send pictures of your, your little ritual candles or your cats, because cat pictures are always welcomed, to 5C2P pod on Instagram or Gmail. And we will like, share, respond as appropriate. Totally. Sweet. Well. This candle is yeah. burning great so far, by the way. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I'll take a picture and text it to you <laughs> so that you can see. <laughs> but why, don't we, why don't we take a little break while I do that, and then we'll come back and talk all about your bee bomb. Cool, dude. Sounds good to me. We will see you in a second, which is... Welcome back, witches. We Thanks. are you're welcome. <laughs> we are ready <laughs> to talk about Bee Bomb. I am so excited and so proud of our witch Lindsay growing some Bee Bomb because I have never grown this before. So <laughs> I am so excited <laughs> to to really like pass the mic here and learn all about Bee Bomb. And how the hell you got yours to grow so well in such a short amount of time. I am very impressed. I mean, honestly, I attribute that to the birds who, like, plucked half of it off. Really? So... so After I got it, yeah. So yours is in they, a little like, pot. They, pruned it for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, you've got a little little patio garden, balcony garden situation. Yours is in a pot, and the birds came and... and, and trimmed it for you <laughs> yeah dude i was so upset they like they came and they chomped off like the top half and it was the saddest looking plant ever oh. after that. they left it alone after the first few chomps though and then it just like it went bananas yeah <laughs> yeah so uh if you're if you're listening and you're like what is bee bomb 
Uh, bee balm is this like super impressive like plant with like crazy red firecracker flowers all over the place. It looks ridiculous. Yeah, it looks like a cute little punk gal with spiky hair. Oh, <laughs> like color and, with like totally cool colors. Does. It totally does. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> that was why I got it because it like it wasn't in bloom when I bought it, but I looked at you know the little tag where it has the pictures of it, and I was like, oh, she's so spiky. <laughs> so, yeah, I, picked her up. <laughs> I I love how people choose their plants, and it's usually some sort of emotional reaction to to it. Like, <laughs> oh, look at her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she was super cute. The one that I got is there's like a couple of different like I guess genuses. I don't really know. Maybe of bee balm. So there's the Monarda didyma, which is the one that I got and which is usually red, but mine is like I guess a hybrid of that. So mine's like hot pink. It's called um balmy rose is the color Ooh, that I got. Fancy. And that's that's the like that's the kind that um like in flavor I guess it's a little less sharp a little less minty than the other one and that one's called Monarda fistulosa and that one can come in like lavender pink white yellow cool I think that's the one that you usually like see the most I'm not sure I, yeah. I I now nominate you to say all the Latin plant names forever and ever in the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some of them are easier than others. <laughs> I definitely would have butchered that first one. <laughs> but, Lindsay, I know we're going to talk about, about all the cool things you can do with this, but I've, I've got to know. What's up? Can you drink it? you can drink it (laughs) yeah dude in fact after the boston tea party when you know like the country's original punks dumped all of the english tea into the boston harbor bee balm was what they used for tea instead yeah uh, i think it's called a swaga tea i'm probably gonna butcher Uh, that name (laughs) Oswego tea. Oswego tea. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And that's named after like uh, the Oswego tribe in New York who use it for tea also. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I guess the, you know, in full transparency, I knew, I knew you could drink it, <laughs> but I had to ask. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? Don't keep that curtain closed. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, but Oswego, yeah, is that, sorry, is, am I saying that correctly? Oswego, yeah. Yeah. So Oswego tea, I did look up, uh, and it is not just uh not just bee balm it also tends to have chamomile and sometimes rosemary or a little sprinkle of actual mint in it i saw a few recipes as well that had apple slices but i feel like that's a a bit of a modern addition i feel like that's i don't know that's a becky yeah (laughs) yeah i um i saw i saw several different like recipes for the tea the plant itself sometimes they call Oswego tea because I think that that's like the main ingredient in the tea. But yeah, you can fluff it up with all kinds of stuff. I even found a divination tea Ooh. recipe that has um, 
you can do like mugwort and clary sage and catnip and chamomile in it too. Nice. I would totally yeah. be down for that. Uh, I on the uh, traditional uses kick as well. Uh, I also read that it was used to induce sweating for um, for native tribe sweat lodges and um, traditions and rituals and that sort of thing. But uh, it yeah. was a tea that was often drank before going into a sweat lodge to help open the pores, I guess, and and have that sort of warming because st- it's a stimulant, so warming stimulation. Yeah, I saw that too. I also saw that it's um, it's supposed to have somewhat of a cooling effect. Like, uh, what was the last tea that we had? Um, that would have <sighs> been our ale hoof. Yeah, it was the ale hoof. Yeah, so it's it's also supposed to have like somewhat a cooling effect, like on the insides, I guess, sort of like the ale hoof. Nice, awesome. Yeah. So you've yeah. grown yours on your balcony, but you can also yeah. uh, clearly um, this is not something that everybody grew on their balcony. It is a it is a wild and native plant uh, to uh, to North America. Um, this is one of the few, I guess. This is a plant that didn't come over with someone to the best of recorded history. Uh, This was something that has grown and evolved and adapted here and uh, grows all across Canada and most of the United States, but particularly the East Coast, as well as um, sort of the Southern Belt, Georgia through through, uh, Mexico. Yep. It, um, yeah, it can be grown as a perennial in zones, I believe, four through nine. We're zone six here, I yep. think. Yep. So it's, that's pretty much um, all the zones of North America. <laughs> minus, oh, is it? yeah, minus like when you get uh, like northern Canada, um, then that gets pretty cold. But, but the, the okay. rest of North America sort of fits within those zones. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and it just, it goes bananas, dude, after you plant it. And it'll, like, it'll spread, too. Oh, nice. Like, crazy. Do you yeah, know if it has um, Because, like, if you let it, like, do its thing flowering and then let it go past flowering, it'll seed. Oh, cool. Sweet. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was um, seeds or if it was, like, daisies, where daisies send their runners out underground and then it pops up. Or, you know, if it was a situation where you could, like, maybe clip the seed pods and control the spread a little bit. So if you deadhead it like I did, then you can control the spread. You just have to do it before flowering is over. Great. That leads me to another question because this is something I don't do a lot of and I'm not great at. You deadheaded yours. If somebody has never deadheaded before, maybe walk us through that. That, this was my first time deadheading anything because usually I, I can't get stuff to grow. So I was actually pretty afraid to do it. Now, I've read different things about deadheading bee balm. I've read that you can actually cut it down back down to the ground and it will grow back. You might not get a second bloom in that year, but it would probably grow back the following spring. I deadheaded it in a way to where I brought it down to you know, the first or second set of bottom leaves. And from that, you'll get a new growth popping out like above those leaves. I can't can't remember what they call it. I I can't wait to see that because you like when you said that you were going to drop off some bee bomb and leave it in my mailbox this morning, 
I was assuming I was going to get like a little tiny, like two ounce mason jar with a couple of flowers. You brought me a bouquet. <laughs> like this is a lot, and yeah. I'm I'm stoked. I can't wait. I'm going to dry mine uh, so that I can use it for future teas and other things. But when I saw how much you brought, I was like, "How freaking big is your bush?" And then you sent me it photo grew like crazy. Like, yeah, and like, yeah. Your plant's not. Overall, your plant's not that big, but it produced a lot. Yeah, it did. I gave you half of what I cut. That's awesome. And (laughs) and you basically gave it a buzz cut. And so I can't wait to see it grow back and see, you know, sort of what happens from here. We'll have to give our listeners little B-bomb updates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it kind of looks now like how it looked after the birds chopped off half of it. So I'm feeling okay about it. I think it'll grow back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So last growing question for your bee bomb. Where in relation to your sun exposure, balcony, how much do you water it? Like, is it... Um, you know, is it full sun? Is it partial sun? Are you watering it every day? Or is it one of those plants that you can kind of like ignore for a week and be like, oh shit, I forgot to water you. Okay. So bee balm really likes water. Um, I water it once a day, but I give it a really healthy watering. Oh, sweet. Okay. It's sitting and it likes sun too. It likes sun a lot. I have it facing um, the Eastern part of my deck. So it gets a lot of good afternoon sun but it can survive in like partial sun I think the one thing that you have to look out for is that it needs a lot of um, air so you can't plant it too close together because it's susceptible to a to this like powdery mildew situation yep Yep. So it, it needs a I chance exactly to like about. dry out overnight and there's like, there's stuff that you can spray on it to combat it, but I haven't had that problem yet. Cause I only have the one plant. So that's awesome. Uh, I have no idea if you did this intentionally or if this is just the most cool coincidence ever, but the one uh, true thing, true thing, I guess the one thing that I looked up, when it comes to magical properties of bee balm is that it is associated with the east and air. I didn't know that when I bought it. It's also associated with um, mercury as a planet, loosely associated with mercury as a planet. But I just, I love that you planted yours facing east and gave it a lot of space because it needs a lot of air. I'm like, that seems really... (laughs) Like that that's a great coincidence. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with like intuitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like your your bee bomb really spoke to you. Does it have a name? Did you name we we name our plants, so I didn't name her. No, okay. I didn't name I usually don't name my outdoor plants. Um, oh, fair. because I'm never sure if <laughs> how long how long they're gonna live. That's fair. <laughs> I named the indoor ones because I'm inside more often. Right. So they're part of your I want to be able to like pet them and talk to them. But yeah, I, I, I didn't give her a name. Maybe if she comes back next year, I'll consider her a permanent fixture and then I'll give her a name. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's like christening or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, when I was reading up on, on Bee Bomb for this week, one of the things that I found really 
interesting and unexpected was the actual lack of magical properties associated with B-bomb. I, I have three different books, and usually if we pick a plant that or a herb of some sort, then one of these three books will have something, even like the smallest thing. And one of my books, The Foraging Book, um, Northeast Foraging by Lita Meredith, did have an entry on bee balm or bergamot, and as it is also known, and it was more focused on um, where to find it, how to grow it, how to like potential uses. Didn't have anything about the magical properties, and so I did a little digging. And one of the reasons for that, I suppose, is that uh, the only official, uh, quote unquote, official uh, documentation on bee balm's magical properties was done in 1985 in Scott Cunningham's. Uh, Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, which is now one of the like oh, yeah. Bibles of magical herbs kind of thing. Like it's it's a real like stock and trade. If you have you know a question or you know a use, you want to know what planet aligns to, you want to know you know what direction it aligns to. But when he was writing about you know sort of what elements it is associated with, and if you were planting an elemental garden where it would sit. It is, like you said, it's associated with the east and with air. And I feel like that has to do with its growing conditions and what it requires. And the one magical property of it in and of itself was clarity uh, being used, aside from the medicinal things, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a sec, but uh, the actual like magical properties. I like that you had mentioned divination tea and uh, he mentions mm -hmm. being used for clarity in uh in situations and and helping to bring uh, a focus to surface tensions. Yeah, I I also looked for magic stuff and I found a, like maybe a couple more points other than that. But Scott Cunningham actually he has like a lot of books and he actually wrote the very first book on magic that I've ever bought in my oh, life. Oh, that's awesome! I think I was like, yeah, I think I was like. 14 or 15 when I bought it it's Super and it's, cool. it's called earth air fire and water but in addition to the like clarity I also found that it it can be used a lot for like money prosperity and success spells so um, so I actually read the same thing and did a little uh, more digging around I guess on that side of things and this leads to a very common complication where uh, this is often, bee balm is often referred to as wild bergamot, which often gets uh -huh. short, shortened to bergamot, which is a totally different plant. <laughs> and it's totally different. It's a totally fucking different plant. It's so annoying uh, because I was all excited <laughs> to be like, well, do bee balm because that's bergamot. And it's like, you know, what you use for Earl Grey tea? No fucking wrong no. <laughs> so yeah no bergamot is a type of citrus this type of orange and that's where you get bergamot oil that is used in things like lady gray and earl gray tea and essential yeah. oil bergamot scented and it has that sort of citrusy taste now yeah what what i read was that the associations with success and money ha are more closely related to that bergamot over ah. bee balm because my books okay. do have 
do reference bergamot, but specifically talk about the citrus oils and I was and the fruit and how to use it. And I was like, they were like, take a piece of the fruit and put it in a sachet and carry it with you when you're gambling and it'll bring you money. I was like, what fruit? <laughs> I don't see any fruit oh, on this plant. Okay. Um, because what I was reading, it was, um, there was also a sachet thing, but it had to do more with like the leaves of the bee balm plant. Mm. And, then, and in addition, carrying bee balm leaves in your wallet to attract money, or even like rubbing the leaves on your skin before like a job interview. Totally. And I think that, you know, like most magical things, if that is your intention and that is what you like, you resonate with that and you're like, cool, I'm going to do that because I've got bee balm and I don't have this weird orange citrus thing, then cool, yeah. do it, go for it. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of like uncertainty between those two and a lot of uh, a lot of overlap, I think, where, you know, I don't think necessarily yeah. one is right or wrong, but I did want to mention, you know, they are two very different plants. And actually, bee balm is used not in oil of bergamot, but in oil of thyme. It is one of the... It actually... Sorry, it has, um, it has the same component in its oil that thyme also does oh cool i was wondering why it was oil of thyme i, I kept reading that and i was like why don't they make thyme why don't they use thyme for oil of yeah. thyme <laughs> no it's it's right. called thymol or thymol cool. thymol i'm assuming See. yeah <laughs> now, one of the things i'm sitting yeah. here next to the bouquet that you have brought me um and by the way Anybody wants to just like drop out a, f a bouquet of herbs or flowers in my mailbox? That's like the nicest thing ever <laughs> to go down and be like, holy shit, there's a bouquet in my mailbox. <laughs> um, but I can smell it. I don't know if Engineer Dan, if you can smell it, but I, I know what it smells like to me. And I'm kind of curious what it smells like to you guys. Oh, okay. People smell different things with this plant. Yeah, I know. That's why it's I'm funny. asking. I would actually need yeah. you to hand me the plant because I am between you, a glass of cider, and a pepperoni pizza. Hand him a leaf to crush up in his hand. Yeah, I just I think I passed you get it. The most scent out of that. So I was talking to Brian earlier, and he was like, "What's the episode today about?" And I was like, "Bee balm." And he was like, "What's that?" And I was like, "It's the plant that I chopped up." And he was like, "Oh, is it edible?" And I, and I was like, "Here, smell." And I like pulled a leaf off. And uh, he smelled it, and he was like, it smells like pizza. And I was like, <laughs> pizza? I was like, you know, actually, some people think it smells like oregano. Yeah, so that's, that's why I'm asking, because I 100% think it smells like oregano. And I'm just I like sitting do. here getting wafts of oregano, and I love it. I think it's great. And that's one of the food uses that like you can can cut it up and, and use it instead of oregano. But Engineer Dan, what are you picking up? I think I got too much of it. Oh, no. I'm not going to sneeze. I'm a professional. I'm a trained professional. I didn't really, uh, I didn't get a strong aroma either way, but I would agree with the oregano situation. Oh, fair, fair. Yeah, that's what I get the most of too. But but uh, they, they do call it wild bergamot because they say that it, it can have the smell of actual bergamot. Right. And it's also called horse mint because it is in the mint family. Yep. But I don't get any mint from this at all. I, I get, like you said, like pure pizza oregano. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess I get a little mint from it. It's different. And it depends on whether or not I'm smelling the flower or the leaf. 
and what I've crushed up in my hands. And it's been kind of different, like throughout the growing season. Like it always smells slightly different for me today after Brian pointed it out. And I actually crushed up, like really crushed up a leaf. And he was like, it smells like pizza. Today was the first day that I was like, oh yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. And I've also read that different flower types uh, smell different. So you have the, what did you call it? Something ruse. Yeah. So the, the like a varietal that I have is the color is called balmy rose. It's uh, part of the Monarda Didyma family. And I know that the know the white ones and the pale pink ones apparently are supposed to smell and taste different. Yeah, I think that those are supposed to have um, a little more of an intense flavor, although I could be flip-flopping it because I did read kind of opposing points of view on that. That's That one's uh, Monarda Fistulosa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you know, when I actually crush it up and roll it between my fingers, I get more of a mint smell. I was just going to say, uh, mm-hmm. now that I've, my nose is settled into that assault that just was under, uh, I do, I get the oregano thing for sure, but I'm getting like this lingering after aroma of like like minty oregano thyme situation. Yeah. And holy shit. Lindsay, have you eaten a leaf yet? I haven't. Brian ate uh-huh. one earlier though, and I was like, it's supposed to be kind of peppery. And he was like, it is. Yeah, so I just <laughs> ate one. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, the first thing that I noticed was I actually was like, should I swallow this? <laughs> um, <laughs> that cooling effect that you mentioned, I 100% uh-huh. got that. Like it's all over my tongue now and it's not. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. It's not a weird tingly sensation. It's this like kind of cooling, almost numb sensation. Ooh, I'm going to eat one the next time I go outside. Then. Yeah. It's very like, it's got this sort of like, yeah, minty quality. Very cool. Very cool. Which leads me to, you know, we mentioned you can drink it and it's used in tea, but Uh the tea is used for all kinds of shit. So the the list is pretty intense, Uh, but just to (laughs) rattle off a few, uh, tea made with bee balm is good for internal medicine, dealing with colds, sore throats, nausea, flatulence, menstrual pain. Some people say it's good for insomnia. Uh, you can also take the tea and make a cold compress from it. So make a brew a slightly stronger tea and then mm-hmm. use that compress for external medicine specific to abrasions and, uh, you know, cuts and scrapes and that sort of thing to help prevent infection and clean them out. And I also read that you can uh, use a steam uh, to sort of inhale, again, for sore throats and colds, but it's got that same mint, sage, uh, cooling, anti-inflammatory property, uh, as well as, not a decongestion, but I've lost the word, where it like helps break up phlegm in your throat. Expectorant. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the one that I saw that was really cool was it kept talking about uh, using bee balm to make a vinegar. And I was like, well, cool. Yeah. But what do you do with the vinegar? And so it is one teaspoon of dried uh, dried bee balm leaves to one cup of vinegar. And you steep it like you would tea, strain it out. It'll keep for up to six months. But it is used um, specifically with cider vinegar for sunburns. 
and blisters from sunburns. Yes. Also with the vinegar, you mentioned the expectorant. So you would make, you can make like an oxymel with honey and vinegar or like some kind of dilute acetic acid and that will make the expectorant. That's awesome. I can't wait to make my own cough syrups this year. That's 100% like yeah. when you brought this much, I was like, oh, what, are, what are all the things I can do with this? <laughs> and, then, and reading through, I mean, that's, I can't more. wait. <laughs> 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 One uh, cautionary yeah. thing I did read, some people like to use it as a mosquito repellent. They'll crush it up mm-hmm. and, and either rub it on their skin or that sort of thing. Use a little spray bottle. Uh, it That can have adverse uh, reactions. So there are some people that have reported an extreme sun sensitivity when using it as a mosquito repellent. So be cautious, like using all herbs and plants and things that you haven't tried before. Um, You know, you could have a reaction to them and we want to make sure that everybody's as safe as possible. We're not doctors, nor are we apothecaries. We're trained in any way. We just do a bunch of reading. (laughs) Do a little patch test first. Yeah. Um, I also read that pregnant women should not take this internally. They're not super sure about breastfeeding. Probably don't do it anyway. And I also read that people with thyroid issues oh. should not take this internally. That's fair. I A lot of these have that same sort of common uh, health warnings. And I think that that's good and yeah. they should be respected. So keep that in mind. Yeah. If you are... With anything, <laughs> Do your own reading before like taking anything that we recommend. <laughs> but it's a beautiful plant. It seems pretty straightforward to grow as long as you give it the attention it needs, especially with watering. And it's got some really cool and fun uses. It tastes neat. I definitely am looking forward to drawing this and making a tea, both with the leaves and with the flowers and reporting back if they taste different. Yeah, I think that mostly the leaves are used for teas, but the leaves are edible. You can, like, put them in a salad. Um, You can, like, make bread or muffins or cookies with it. Um, I was even reading that some people make mead with it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I could see this for sure. infuse mead with it. I could see this being one of those, uh, much like Ilhoof, being used in a brewing process for... Uh, gruits and that sort of thing because it has a very distinct flavor i would i would be down if somebody was like here this cider has bee balm in it then i would be like great i'm gonna drink it because i'm that person (laughs) you put a herb in something (laughs) and try to sell it to me i'm gonna buy it Absolutely. I think I'd like yeah, to try it in some cool sort of little plant man. I'd like to try some bee balm in like a vinaigrette dressing. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> absolutely could. You could absolutely make like a little dressing with it. And the flowers I have seen used on a pretty consistent basis in a lot of high-end kitchens because they're bright Ooh. pink. Usually the ones that I've seen are bright pink and uh, they hold their shape nicely. They look pretty sprinkled around a plate or on a dessert or in a salad. And they, they taste great because it's it's kind of like putting just like a tiny little bit of mint on a dessert or that sort of thing, except it looks prettier, less cheesy. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like we should touch on a little something. And it's a question I usually ask on whether or not you can smoke this. Now, Fair. neither of us have really been able to find anything on whether or not you can smoke it or not. 
Um, it is in the mint family. And like being or being yeah, being that you can like use it in an herbal steam or something, I would assume that you probably can. But since I haven't found any literature on whether or not it has been used in smoking blends, I probably would not smoke it myself. That's where I fell as well. I felt like if I were to experiment personally, and this is not an advocation at all, but if I were to take a herb that I have not straight up found where it said you can smoke it and try it with full expectations of consequences, this is one that I would personally probably take the risk on but that being said my the the thing that scratches in the back of my mind is this was used by native americans for all kinds of purposes for hundreds of years and they didn't once mention smoking it so they do mention smoking other things and so my thought is either it's not good to smoke or it's unhealthy to smoke and either way i was like you know what if, I feel like if it could have been smoked, like, there would be documentation of it somewhere. Now, it, maybe if you're, sure. like, listening and you're like, oh, I actually uh, know quite a bit about this and, you know, can share some information about w- how it is smoked or what it's used for that we haven't mentioned, always drop us a line on our, yeah, our email is our best way to reach us for that sort of thing because I'd love to open up a conversation about it. And our email, again, is uh, 5C2Ppod at Gmail. But, Yeah. I, I agree. I feel like there's this like desire to smoke it, but I there's just this nagging thing where it's like, mm, this has been around long enough with people that have smoked all kinds of like other herbal blends. Like why like why isn't this part of it if you could? Right. So better safe. I mean, sorry. it also has like you know, not as lengthy of a written history than a lot of the plants we, or as a lot of the plants that we cover do, um, because it is native to North America. So the earliest writings about it are from early European settlers. That's right. That is true and fair. Uh, but again, I just, I don't know. I felt like if they wrote, if they wrote down and recorded that, you know, it was used, uh, it was used for, you know, steam baths and mm-hmm. for, you know, all of these other teas and things, but not for smoking. There was probably a reason for that, because I feel like somewhere along the way, if you could have smoked it, somebody would have smoked it and they would have written that shit down. Probably. I have to admit that I may try to smoke it someday. And if I do, of course, I will let everybody know what happened. Sweet. <laughs> um, I'm sure I will live through it. But... <laughs> It's not at the top of my list right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take medical risks when there's not a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such smart thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Well, that's bee bomb. Uh, it's a remarkably ridiculous looking plant. Our little punk rock princess. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll take a hot break and come right back with a pussy of the week. Totally. See you soon, witches. All right. It's Pussy of the Week time. So 
Sweet. So I was bebopping around on the old interwebs as I do and came across a, it's a little bit of an older article, I suppose, at this point, but I found it this week. So they get to be the pussy of the week this week. But uh, back in June, around mid June ish, there was an article published in a UK newsletter and then it got picked up by a whole bunch of. Uh, other social media threads and feeds. But our Pussy of the Week this week is second-year medical student Malone McQuendy. And they are our Pussy of the Week because uh, as a black man, he was uh, going through all of his medical training and realized that there is a severe bias towards white skin in identifying uh, different ailments and symptoms. So he has gone ahead and with the help of one of his professors, uh, Peter Tammany, has created a guide to identifying medical conditions on black and brown skin, which I think is fucking dope because I had never thought of that. <laughs> the ignorant person that I am, I would, I was like, oh, as soon as I read it, I was like, no shit. <laughs> and like, when you look up symptoms of like a tick bite, it's always on white skin. It's never on black skin. And True. like, and even, I guess this garnered some attention recently, even though they've been working on this for a little while now, because two of the major symptoms for COVID-19 for when you have to go to the hospital. And one of the things that a lot of the hospitals um, in the UK were looking for or asking when, you know, is it an emergency? Do you need to come to the emergency room? Do you need to be seen now? Were, are you pale and have your lips turned blue? Because those are two signs of that you're not getting enough oxygen. And a person of color is not going to have those symptoms and they were being disproportionately underseen by medical attendants because they were like no <laughs> and or you know this doesn't like this doesn't help me and people weren't getting seen quick enough that's awesome dude and i super appreciate that as a brownish person because i a never look pale and b like even if i blush you can't tell Right. Yeah. I like, wow. and it was so funny because as soon as I read this, I was like, yeah, like, uh, like everything, like, uh, like Lyme disease tick ring to, you know, pale to rashes to like, like flushed, like all of those things are based on Caucasian skin colors. And that just seems like it's as clearly the, like the answer to the fact that medicine was developed by white men, but you know, I think that, you know, there's no reason it took this freaking long for that to be the standard and to have, you know, here's what this looks like on all different skin shades. But anyway, Malone yeah. has gone ahead and with the help of uh, their professor has created a guide to identifying um, common ailments and skin issues on black and brown folks. And I think yeah, that's fucking Malone. awesome. Fuck yeah. Malone, we like you. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Love it. Yeah, I was I was very excited on that one to read that. Fucking <laughs> fucking cool. Like, especially for a second year med student. Like all the med students ever. Yeah. Nobody's done this before, really. <laughs> yeah, like why has it taken this long? But, but good on you, Malone. Yep. Good Changing for you. the world. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, that's uh, that's pretty much our episode for this week. I'm really excited. We don't usually give a, a hint at what the following week is going to be, but we've planned ahead and we want to get everyone excited. We had some great response to our first bee episode bees. Uh, So we are going to do bees too (laughs) and have our (laughs) second bee episode with engineer Dan next week. Oh yeah. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about flowers and how they are. They're, they're, they're they're up to some shit, man. (laughs) Flowers are up to some shit and I need to, we need to pull back the curtain and unveil what kind of shit flowers be doing. Oh man. Yeah. And we've got to an answer, that, man. and we've got Lindsay's favorite question. I believe that is has gone unanswered until next week. Do bees poop? Yeah. <laughs> I got. Do bees poop? I have. I have some. I have an incredible story that I think Lindsay's going to really appreciate. Oh, sweet! I'm oh my it. gosh, I can't wait. I do want to drop a little tidbit that we failed to mention in this episode regarding bee balm. It is a plant that attracts pollinators. However, as far as bees go, with bee balm, they cannot collect nectar from it unless another insect or bird has, like, poked holes in it first. It's just a little too dense for the little bees to, like, get it out. (laughs) Yeah. Aw, that's so cute. I love it. Poor little buddy. Everything working together. Yeah, so that's, yeah. What the, that's what the birds were doing, Lindsay. They were clearing that baby up so the bees could swing in there. And then when the bees swung in there and the pollination situation happened, then all of a sudden your plant took off. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, that must have totally, been what happened. Totally. Right on. I did that's have a little bumblebee so buddy <laughs> hanging out around me. Aww. Like, all summer. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, fatty. Real cute. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope uh, if you listening that you enjoyed our bee bomb episode. We can add episode to anything. <laughs> but totally can. <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> next week with the bees. Until then. Yes. No pervs, no Nazis. Totally. Pandas like honey, I think. No, they eat bamboo. <laughs> but they are carnivores. But they eat bamboo. They love honey. I doubt it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just a smack. I've never seen a panda eat honey. <laughs> it's because they don't. It'd be more, more like a, a brown bear or a Winnie the Pooh type bear eating honey. Yeah, I've seen black bears eat beehives. Oh, yeah, black bear. Brownish bear, blackish bear. Pandas do what we want, man. Bear of color. We do what we want. Carnivores eating plants. Fucking Scorpios. Never seen a polar bear eat honey. Ha 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 